This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. Hey guys, this is Eric and Jeremy. We're back with the second episode of Bucket Talk. Last week, we introduced and talked about the reason we're doing Bucket Talk and, and why we're here and did an in-depth deep dive on Jeremy's history from childhood to, to foreman at Leary Auto. And uh, so if, if you're interested feel free to go back and listen to that one. This week, something that Jeremy said in last episode that, that we've been thinking about is, you know, how, how he had this interesting opportunity with his, with his current employer and boss, went into a job, wasn't qualified for, but didn't overpromise and didn't oversell, but basically said, listen, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna work incredibly hard, I'm gonna show up on time, I'm gonna be clean cut and in a really good attitude and ended up getting a job and a promotion uh, right out of the gate. And so, Today is going to be focused on two things. One, a little bit is obviously the employer is, is half the equation to, to having a successful career early on in the trades. But for Jeremy specifically, you know, his attitude and the, the level of effort that he came into was probably more important than anything. Um, and, and so we're going to dive into a little bit of that today. So one of the things uh, my boss had said to me when anybody gets hired on is, is he goes, you know, at your next job, you're going to be the best at what you do when you leave Leary Auto. And, you know, it's kind of a joke, but it's one of those things that, you know, it really resonates with you that, that being at Leary Auto is going to push you to become a better employee, a better person, and, you know, uh, better at, your, at what you do, your skill. And uh, one of the things that I learned from, from Pat is, is that he always makes you uncomfortable. So you, you, you do a job you do it well, he gives you a harder job. You say, hey, I can't do that job. And honestly, I walked in, I said, I'm no good at doing brake lines. It is one of the industry's worst job is to replace all the rotted brake lines in a vehicle. So I said, you know, I'm not good at, I'm not good at doing brake lines. And uh, so next day, I got a brake line job. And I was like, oh man, like I, I said, I wasn't good at brake lines. And then the, I, I got through it and it was fine. And then the next day, I got a brake line job. And I'm like, I'm not good at this. So, you know, come five years later, all of a sudden, I'm really good at doing brake lines. And it was never said, you know, I never said to him, I go, why do you keep on giving me brake line jobs? And he never said to me, I keep giving you brake line jobs to make you better. But it was just implied. On my side of the thing is, is so that, that kind of that got me to a place where now I realized what the game was. And the game was is to set Jeremy up to be a better employee. So me being, uh, you know, new in the industry and, and, you know, full of ideas, but poorly executed, I decided that, you know, I'm going to jump into everything that I can do from plow driving to welding to, you know, operating a loader to everything, right? The old timers said, hey, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. It was one of those things that when I, when I decided I wanted to learn how to weld, the guy was going to learn how to weld from, awesome welder, been doing it all his life, welded, you know, inside of uh, garbage trucks. I mean, you know, went to landfills and welded spikes on all the compactors to now he like hard faces buckets, which saves the bucket from getting eaten through, to just doing frame repair and body work and stuff along those lines. So I said, hey, I want to learn how to weld. 
my thought was, is I'm going to jump on the welder and just start welding. Uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he had me. He had me grinding, cleaning, cutting, doing all this stuff for two years before I ever touched the welder. And that was another thing. I'm sitting there going, "Why am I not learning how to weld?" I go, "I want to learn how to weld," and and this guy isn't teaching me how to weld. What these guys do is they're setting you up for success. They're building a foundation and welding. The actual laying down the weld is your the tip of the iceberg. You know what I mean? That's, that's where you get to your peak, your pinnacle, whatever you want to call it. That's the last piece of the puzzle. Everything built up to that is, is, is what you need to have in, in the, in the trade. So these older, the older generation is trying to build a whole group of guys to do this. So as I've talked to these workers, it sounds like, you know, you hear the old, some of the older guys and it sounds like you're in a really positive place where you've got an incredible leader as a boss and the older guys are actually trying to train you and teach you. Correct. Um, I hear the, the negative side of it, which is probably more common than what you're in, which is, hey, there's no young guys out there anymore that want to work hard and show up and do stuff. And obviously pretty pessimistic outlook. The flip side of that is, well, are you a really good employee? Or are you a really good boss? Are you a really good leader? And so there's not, there's, they'll say there's not a lot of young guys out there, but the young guys are going to people that actually are teaching them and training them. And the re- there's a reason you stay with Leary as long as you did, or you would have been somewhere else. Oh, guess. absolutely. I mean, I'm constantly learning. We're constantly doing different things. I'm a kid whose attention span, you know, is, is short. You know, if you give me a f- assembly line job, I'm going to, I'm going to want to be out of there within a year. I can't do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. So I have variety where I'm at and it's, you know, it's great for my mindset. It's great for, you know, my skill set. But at the same time, I'm always uncomfortable. There's always something new coming in the building that I'm like, I have no idea what to do. So, you know, through research and through networking and and having a good network, you eventually learn, figure out how to do it. And uh, now all of a sudden you're, you got another tool in your tool belt. But maintaining a positive attitude, that I can attitude, will set you up to put you in a positive place anyway. For any of the employers out there, the bosses, the leaders, important lesson takeaway there is, you know, if you have the mentality that where Jeremy works, you're gonna really recruit and inspire this younger group that, that you might be saying isn't out there, but they really are out there. The flip side is from a Jeremy's perspective, a lot of these young guys, and you, and you hear the older guys say this, so this isn't always true, but they'll say the young guys come in, they want they want the highest pay, they wanna, they wanna run the show, but don't want to put in the work. And if Jeremy had shown up on day one and said, listen, I'm the best welder, I know how to do all this stuff, and then he underdelivered, it would have been a pretty rough situation, is my guess early on, <laughs> versus, versus showing up with the right attitude, which is, here's what I know, I don't know everything, but I'm gonna work my, my tail off, learn the skills, learn the trade, if you're patient with me, I'll, I'm patient with you, and, and it ended up, quote, on earning your stripes verse coming in thinking you knew everything. Yeah, I mean, and that's an, that's an important takeaway too, is, is, you know, it took both of us. It took me having that attitude, underselling, but, you know, over-delivering. But at the same time, it took my boss for realizing what I was doing and really motivating me along the way. So this episode's gonna mostly focus around around really the attitude and the effort that, that you can come into the industry. Obviously, Jeremy in, in his field and the mechanic and technician's field but is it fair to say all the guys that you work with and all the buddies, if someone showed up with that attitude, whether it's in the excavation or in the union or in linesman or electrician and says, I wanna be an electrician, I don't have the skills, I don't have the training, but I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna, I'll am gonna, i carry your tools, I'll carry your bucket, I'll watch over your shoulder, I'll do whatever it takes. It seems like there's a lot of opportunity in the market. For oh, absolutely, that That's, that is the best attitude to have. I mean, nowadays we're, 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 we're seeing less and less than that. I don't know why a lot of people say we're chasing people out of the industry. I don't necessarily agree with that. 
I think that, you know, we need to change the mindset a little bit more to, to uh, push people to do better. Um, it's not going to be given to you. You got to take it. I know a lot of people across different industries, different career paths who are successful because they have that mindset. I can equate that my success to this day, you know, it's not massive success, but it's, you know, I've put food on the table, you know, I have nice things and, and I continue on living a, a very nice life with my family. And that's all due to, to hard work and, and, and bettering myself. I do know that hard work alone isn't gonna get you success. People are like, well, what do you mean? I mean, I know a lot of guys that work really hard, but they never progress, they never learn, they never take on more. They, like, they could be a really good at, at, at sweeping floors, but if, if they just sweep and, and scrub the floor all day long for 20 years, they never, you know, yeah, absolutely they're a hard worker, but you gotta push yourself to the next level and you gotta grow. You know, it's part the employer's job to make sure that they're, they're realizing that they need to grow the guy that they have, yeah. but it's also, for you yourself, you wanna be able to progress and grow on your own accord. You don't need somebody to, to do it for you, you need to do it for yourself. So obviously you need a good attitude to, to, to show up and put in the work, but also once you acquire a skill, like once you learn the brake lines, if you just rested on those laurels, you'd have just done brake lines for the rest of your career and you wanted to learn how to weld and, and, and all these different right. skills and, and so. And I see a lot of guys, great guys, uh, you know, go out with a, a ton of these guys and, and we talk and, and it's the same thing. It's a, you sit there and you look at them and you go, you know, you've been in the industry 10, 15 years and, and you're still doing the same lower paying skill set job and they're content. And, you know, that's their prerogative and, and has never been mine. I've, I've always wanted to go higher up in the tree and grab the fruit up there. You know, I sit there and I ask myself, is like, how, how, do I, how do I get better? My industry is full of a lot of motivation. I just look at, at different people and go, I don't want to be here in 20 years. I want to be, whether it be a shop owner, it doesn't matter. It, it's just, there's, there's more to, there's more to be had and I, and I want that. And everybody should, I mean, you should be going into that, you know, labor job, pull, pushing a wheelbarrow around going, this isn't it, this isn't my end game. You know, in the professional world, like in accounting or, or law or legal or whatever, you have to do three years of one thing, then four years of this. You learn the skill, you learn the trade and you become an expert in it. You can move up in six months first. There's no, there's no specific timetable to moving up. The sky's kind of the limit and you can, you can exceed and move past people or, or you can take a break if you needed to as well. So it's, it's interesting because there's, there's so many skill sets now that's in each individual field. I know, you know my brother-in-law, he's a, he's a carpenter and he moved, from a, he moved from being a framer to a finish worker. And um, you know, there, people, people go through their whole lives framing houses. You know, he decided he wanted to take it to the next level and he wanted to do focus on the detail and all the intricate stuff. But, you know, with that came more responsibility, had to learn more, but in turn, it paid more. For us, I mean, you can get into transmission rebuilding, restoration, welding. There's, there's so many different subsects that no, no career path is the same. So you can pick your career path as you go. You can leave one job in the automotive field, go to another job in in the automotive field and be doing something completely different. So, you know, for me, for guys that, you know, are always constantly wanting to do something different, you don't have to leave the industry to do something different. You could just take that skills, take those tools and, and, and move to another job and, and learn a whole nother, a whole nother different avenue, which is pretty cool because I do know an accountant that all they did was just close the books, close the books, 
day in and day out, go through the books, close the books. And for some people, that's fine. They like it. But for me, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit behind a desk every day going through all the books and making sure that everything was, you know, in order and, and doing that year in and year out. For me, that's that's crazy. I, I lose my mind. And a lot of the guys in the trades, same deal. So it's nice to be able to finish a project move on to another project. And I seem, that seems to be the, the case across all the trades. Done with the house, move to the next house. Done with yeah. the school, you know, move on. And one thing I've noticed with you in a lot of the top performers that, that really get me charged up as I talk to them on a weekly basis is, you guys have the opportunity during your work day to actually learn on the job and, and tackle things that you couldn't, but but you also have the luxury of, if you really want to get ahead, and in, in we're in this this awesome garage that, that Jeremy has here, yeah. if you really want to learn something, especially if you don't have kids, putting in those extra hours when you're actually not on the job, or if you have kids after the kids go to bed and, and tinkering around and really honing some skills. And you're focusing on college right now, but there was probably a time where you were doing- Oh yeah, working Saturdays, nights, you know, everything. The, the, the funny part about the automotive industry, and like I said, with the subsex, is the fact that like we've had people still in the industry come work a part-time job with us and, you know, make the extra money, do something different, you know, whether they work on, you know, dump trucks and loaders all day and they come to Leary Auto and decide to make a couple extra bucks and, you know, help us work on, on stuff like that. So it was nice to be able to have other guys from different avenues come in, teach me some stuff, but all that happened after five. Me staying two, three hours after work, now we're, now we're cutting out a frame, now we're repairing a frame, now we're doing stuff that is too time consuming throughout the day, doesn't necessarily make money for the business, but we've never wanted anybody to go elsewhere. We've always wanted them to come to us for everything. And so, you know, we pride ourselves on that, but that stuff had to be done, you know, after work because it just, it isn't profitable, but knowledge wise, Man, it was it was yeah. profitable for anybody involved to be able to to understand, learn it, and then take it to their next job, meaning within the company. So you know, the next time I go and fix a car, I'd be like, "Hey, I did this before, or I did something like this," and, yeah. and it yeah. just made that job a lot easier. And it sounds like you had once again, because you're a good employer, fortunate situation to be able to put in the extra hours. But a lot of folks, they're done at five, they're done, and so I guess as the other avenues are one, using your skill on your own, going out and about to, to do it, or two, working for someone else that has a skill that you don't have, and you're probably not gonna make the same rate, but it's really almost like a college education where, hey, you're not worth the full rate because you don't know that's your skill, but hey, you come help me out and I'm gonna teach you the skill. I mean, absolutely. I've done some side work with my brother-in-law. I'm a, no carpenter by any means, but you know, he's the carpenter. He say, hey, take this two by four down and you know, I, I want you to cut you know, X amount off of it and bring it back up. I can do that. I do it to metal all day long. I mean, it's it's simple. So it was nice. It was nice to be able to you know jump in, cut tile, or you know demo a bathroom, or you know whatever with my brother-in-law. The skills that I have as a mechanic, they do carry over into other trades, just not like 100%. I mean, I work on electrical systems in cars. We work on 12 volt systems or 24 volt systems. I understand how to read an electrical diagram and you know, I, I know the terms of the you know, electrical industry. So it's funny when you're talking with an electrician, you may not be able to understand everything they're talking about, but I'm able to you know, at least hang in the conversations. It's nice to be able to pick up on, on small things as you go. And when you're going to become a homeowner, like me and my wife are, we're, we're young homeowners, 
and you get contractors that come over, it's nice to be able to understand what they're talking about and what they're going to be doing. That way that you know how your system works. I mean, we had we were fortunate enough to have an HVAC guy come over. He was a he was a customer of ours at, at the shop. So I felt comfortable with him. He yeah. came over and I was like, hey, I don't really know how to service these uh air handler units every year like I'm supposed to or every six months like I'm supposed to I go can you can you come over and service them he goes no he goes I'm gonna come over and teach you how to service them it was it was mind-blowing he's like he's like you can do this stuff it's simple you know we'll come up here we'll take the filters out you know this is the filter this is the filter size we'll write the filter size on it uh, when you run out you know where to get them and so it was just that that relationship that we built wasn't necessarily it wasn't the the quick dollar you know he could have come over and service my hvac unit for whatever 100 bucks or 200 bucks whatever the rate is every six months or he could teach me and then he's got you know somebody that's gonna you know sing his praises throughout the throughout the industry so that was a wise thing to do on his behalf but it was also you know i don't think he did it to become, you know, more profitable. I think he did it because it was a genuine handshake across the aisle. So I give it to a lot of those guys out there that that um, are willing to teach and help versus, you know, take advantage of and grab the quick yep. dollar. And that and that's another thing that you see on on Instagram and all the channels is a lot of the trades, you know, ripping on all the other trades, whether it's, you know, the, the stickers urinating on the other trades <laughs> and and that's all well and fun. And, and some of it, some of the guys take it pretty seriously, but the, the positive side of it, which you don't hear as much as this, where, where guys from completely different trades are one helping each other uh, and not just bartering or, hey, you'll give me this job and I'll, you'll pay me every year, but hey, I know you're gonna hook me up when I need something. So I could speak to that too. I mean, in the military, it was the same thing. You had the five branches of services and being in the Coast Guard was one of the, was one of the harder, um, pills to swallow because we were the smallest of the services and you know we were called puddle pirates and and what have you from from day one but from a from a military standpoint when we may we may beat each other up and you know when we're at the bar on base or or what have you but you know when when somebody from outside came at any anyone from any branch of service we we united together and they may be you know our low man but at the same time they're our brothers so that was cool but then it carried over when i went into the trades too is is the fact that like we we stick up for all of our blue collar buddies but i do agree with you i think it kind of, we need to kind of change the the culture a little bit on that i see so often that you know you go to a, one of these quick service place and, and they do they pull up the manufacturer's recommendation the manufacturer's recommendation will say at like twenty thousand miles do this thirty thousand miles do this so they print out this whole thing and they give it to the customer, and essentially the suggested total on that could be two thousand, three thousand dollars. And they're like, "Whoa, that's a lot of money. I'm gonna take it to the guy I trust for a second opinion." And what happens is these things come across our desk, this itemized, you know, two thousand dollar estimate for all this work. There's two avenues you can take right now, and one of them I try to do. The other one, I wouldn't say it's the the industry's norm, but it's something that I want to break. I want to get away from. And that is to say, I can't believe somebody gave you this $2,000 bill. They're wrong. I would never go back to them. That's ridiculous. Or you take the the stance that me and my shop take. We take that $2,000 estimate and we say, they're not wrong. This is what the manufacturer calls for. The thing is, is 
we know you as a customer. We know we know your not necessarily your finances, but you know we have a history with you. We know what you want to spend, what you don't want to put into this vehicle. So then we sit there and we itemize everything, and we say this can wait, this can wait, this can wait. But what happens is, is we just said, hey, you know what? The shop you just brought it to, they're fine. They just don't know you all that well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You come to us and and so we don't lose the sale. We don't badmouth the other shop and, yeah, and we move yeah. from there. I think, you know, talking bad about other shops or other trades, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen carpenters, electricians, plumbers go to go to a house and go, I can't believe somebody did this to your house. And you're sitting there like, well, that just made me uneasy. You know right, what I mean? Right. But the next guy's gonna come up there and say, it, and the next guy's gonna come up there and say that I mean there's you're you're in the house and and you essentially have the job sell yourself don't bash other people's work and so i think you know as a trade we need to kind of get away from it we need to kind of to bring each other up and 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 play off it and you know we don't really need to be cutting each other's throat and it's a good reputational thing it sounds like for your shop which is whenever anyone badmouths someone you know if they're badmouthing someone to you you know they're probably going to badmouth you to someone else right that's the type of person absolutely and uh that example reminds me of a quote that I heard, which is you can build the biggest building in town by building the biggest building in town, which is what you guys are doing, or right. you can build the biggest building in town by tearing every other building down. Correct. Do you want to be known as the guy that ripped all the buildings down, or do you want to be the guy that built the biggest building Absolutely. in town? Absolutely. I mean, a prime example, last night. So my boss's brother has a roofing company, and they plow on the side. He, his nephew called me and was like, one of the trucks won't start. Well, this is a teachable moment, too. So I go down there and I said to Mike, I was like, hey, uh, I'll go get a starter and I'll do it right here. I go back to the shop. My boss is like, why are you doing it in the parking lot? We can just call a tow truck. They'll come down, they'll come grab it and, and they'll bring it to the shop. Me being still stubborn in my way said, no, no, I'll do it on my back. You know, no need to call a tow truck. I'll be waiting forever. Anyway, my boss in his infinite wisdom let me, let me do it. So I go down there. One of the bolts is stuck. I, I can't get it out. It, like I need a torch. I don't have the equipment there. So I had to, I had to <laughs> bite the bullet and call Pat. It's like, hey, can you get the tow truck down? That, he laughed, but it was one of those things that like, you know, probably should have listened to him to day one. But what I'm getting at is, is that the shop in town that we do a lot of business with, we have zero competition with. They run towing, alignment, gas, inspections, all stuff we don't do. So instead of bad-mouthing the shop, we you know, and trying to take their business, we work together to, to service our community as opposed to kind of, kind of fight with each other. So what had happened was is I called Pat, Pat called them, instantly the tow truck was there, grabbing the truck and bringing it to the shop. You know what that did? That allowed me to come home way earlier than if you had called the shop to tow it that doesn't like you. You know what I mean? It's, it's good to build those relationships and network versus, uh, you know, tearing them down and then then when you need help, nobody wants to help you. So the big takeaways here are on both sides of the equation, really really from the employers out there listening, um, you know, just, just the way you treat your employees and the attitude you go into and being more of a leader and less so the, the, the boss, but, but more so from Jeremy and, and what he sees in his, in his day-to-day, which is, which is the combination, and we've talked about this, of, of what, these, what these really bubble up to, but it's really a combination of, of effort, which is not only just pure work ethic, but also the ability to want to learn new skills. And then the combination with, with attitude, which is a really positive attitude, optimistic, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to screw up. And, and on the flip side of that, you know, a lot of you out there probably know, you, you might have a stud in the shop or a carpenter or an electrician, 
and they're just miserable to be around. They, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to teach you. They don't want to trade in. And that person is poison on the job site, right? Oh, absolutely. They have the first half of the equation, the effort nailed, the work ethic, the skill, but the attitude sucks. I mean, you got to pass on the, you got to pass on the knowledge. I mean, I did read an article recently, which it made a, a whole lot of sense. And it was that our bosses now grew up in a different generation. They grew up in a generation of being told what to do. This is how you do it. Keep your mouth shut and, and, and move forward. Me being one of the very first millennials born in 85, we grew up differently. We grew up in a coaching setting. We grew up in a team setting. We, you know, we were playing four sports a year. We were doing all sorts of stuff. So we actually, instead of having bosses, we look for coaches and uh, we want to be part of a winning team. And to have a winning team, you need to have a whole bunch of team players that are willing to work as a team. I mean, you guys remember back in the day when you had the ball hog or the guy that went, went to the basket all the time or, you know, swung for the fences instead of uh, taking the bunt. So it was one of those things that, like, if we play together as a team, we, we, have, a better, we have a better chance of winning a, as a whole. Well, hopefully this was helpful for everyone out there. And, and once again, the goal here is to hopefully make an impact, whether that's on one person or, or more folks. And, and at the end of the day, really focus on getting the folks that have the motivation, the ambition and the drive, some insights from people who are actually doing it on the daily basis yeah. that are that are a little bit ahead of you from experience and time, but aren't, aren't so far beyond that they're unrelatable. Yeah. We'll be back next week and we wish Jeremy good luck. He, we got a storm coming in, right? Wow, and so, snow in the truck. Any tips, any? Any, uh, I saw you post something a few weeks ago about when, when the plows are out. For anybody who's an outdoor enthusiast, has a dog, has anything, you know, help your plow drivers keep you safe. It's hard being out there for 12, 15 hours plowing snow. There's nothing like somebody being dressed in black walking behind your truck. It's our responsibility to be attentive and what have you, but help us help you stay safe. You know, walk your dog in your yard, try not to get in the streets. You know, a lot of people avoid sidewalks, so let's just stay safe out there. Keep the outdoor sports to uh, when the plows are done. That is your snowstorm public service announcement. Thanks to Jeremy Perkins. We'll talk to you next week, guys.